Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast of the Sunday morning sermons of the Bullard Church of Christ in Bullard, Texas. We hope you'll be blessed, challenged, and encouraged by today's lesson. We're so very glad that you're all here this morning. We appreciate each and every one of you being here, our members and our visitors, our new Christians. Uh, you're so very valuable to us and those who are joining us online as well. And as always, Jacob just does a wonderful job leading singing. He can lead singing. He can preach. Uh, he's just well-rounded. We appreciate him so much. And uh, our, our boys who are learning to do that uh, on our uh, fourth singing Sunday, uh, Wednesdays and other opportunities that we have. And uh, Jacob's going to be going off to college soon. And we just hope uh, that, where'd he go? We just hope that wherever he uh, goes and ends up that he is always doing that same thing in the congregation where he's at. Uh, keep doing the same thing. Lead singing, preach, teach every time you have the opportunity. We're so glad to be here this morning as we continue in our uh, series in Mark. I want to ask you if you like those videos where uh, they'll, they'll, they'll have be talking to the director or the main actors of a movie and they're walking you through the, the background of the movie, kind of the behind the scenes, how they made the movie, the set, uh, the location, uh, the filming, uh, the costumes, the landscape, the lighting, and they get into all kinds of detail. Do you like watching those? And a lot of times they'll point out details uh, called Easter eggs that you didn't know they were there, but when you see it after you've seen the movie, you realize, wow, and you see how much work went into making that particular movie. And then when you get the behind the scenes, you appreciate the movie more and you, you pick up more, you gain more out of the story of the movie and understand it uh, even more. Well, Mark writes like that. Remember, the Gospel of Mark is Peter's first-hand account of the life and teachings of Jesus. Peter was there watching all of this, listening to Jesus' voice, watching what Jesus did, watching the crowd and the people around and hearing them. He was, he was right there in the middle of the action the whole time. And Mark records that account from Peter for us to learn from. And so in our text today... We're going to get that behind the scenes that Mark is so good about giving us that helps us understand and, and in a greater way appreciate what Jesus was doing, especially when it comes to Jesus trying to develop the faith of the disciples. You may not realize that the disciples were a lot like us. It took them a while for it to get through here and here uh, in terms of their understanding of Jesus and their faith in Jesus. And so when we just pretend we're one of the original readers of Mark, then Mark, we see how he reveals Jesus more and more to us. And we will finally see him fully and clearly. Let's begin in Mark chapter 8. We're going to back up a tiny bit before our main text. And in starting in verse 22 we see that Jesus heals a blind man. But something's different. This is the first uh, blind person that He's healed in this Gospel. And something is different in this healing. 
Not that he put his hands on him, that he touched him, but that it didn't work the first time. He wasn't all the way healed the first time. And so we're left to wonder, did Jesus mess up? Was his powers not fully charged up that morning? Was he having an off day? Why did Jesus not heal him all the way the first time he touched him? So read with me in verse, starting in verse 22 of Mark chapter 8. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? Verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. You'll see that as a theme. Uh, We won't get into that, the messianic secret. Jesus is keeping things, who he is, as much of a secret as he can because he he knows he's going to Jerusalem to suffer and be crucified for us. And we've already seen some of that where the crowd wants to make him a freedom fighter. The crowd wants to make him a king. And Jesus is is trying to keep that at bay so that he can accomplish his mission that he's here to accomplish. But did you notice something that's different about this healing? That it took two times for Jesus to fully restore his sight. So our question is, 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 did Jesus mess up? Did Jesus fall short? Did Jesus somehow not do it right and had to try again? Or is there something else that Mark is telling us and showing us behind the scenes? And I want to tell you that that's what it is. Mark is showing us something unique, something significant about faith. In particular about the faith of the disciples. But but as we look at the disciples' faith we're also looking at our faith and we're wondering, is that me also? Do I see like they see? So Mark tells us in Mark 6, 51 and 52, as you remember, see, they had just fed the 5,000. Remember, we looked at that story. And and Jesus took a a few loaves and fish and fed over 5,000 people. And there was left tons of leftover food. And the disciples didn't understand it. And they get in the boat. Jesus tells them to go out in the boat, cross the sea. He walks out across the water to them, gets in the boat. They're astonished. But uh, uh, Mark 6, 51 and 52 says that the disciples did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. They didn't understand that... Jesus was able to do that. They didn't understand still who He was completely. They they could see, but they couldn't see clearly. They couldn't fully see. They didn't have 20-20 vision about Jesus' identity. It was still lacking. And Mark is telling us what He's teaching the disciples 
about faith. In chapter 7 of Mark, we see that Jesus heals a deaf man. And then in chapter 8, Jesus and His disciples are in the same situation with a large crowd, this time of 4,000 people. And the disciples have no idea what to do. You see, that's, that helps us understand why they didn't get it the first time and they get to another setting, same thing, different size crowd, and they can't figure out what to do to feed all these people. And, and Jesus uh, warns them in that moment. They get in a boat after He feeds them again and He warns them while they're in the boat, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. That's in Mark eight fifteen. Now in the Old Testament, we'll get back to vision, but in the Old Testament, leaven is symbolic of evil influence. It is symbolic of the infectious power of evil. And Matthew says that this leaven is the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees in Matthew 16, 12. Luke calls the leaven their hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Luke 12, 1. And so when we take all that together, we understand that Jesus is talking about, watch out for the, the false teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. We talked about their, their oral traditions last week and all the extra laws and rules that they made up. And, and it made them feel self-righteous because they followed all of these extra laws and rules and customs and everybody else was unrighteous unless they could be just like them. And Mark is showing us that there was, this was a, a hypocrisy and that they were self-righteous and that they were actually denying the true teachings of Jesus. And that's what Jesus confronted them with as we looked at last week. In fact, we'll see that that leaven is what infected Judas to turn from Jesus, to, to, to refuse and reject the true teaching of Jesus who He says He is in His teachings and turn to another way. But the disciples don't understand what Jesus is saying. They still don't fully see Him for who He is and all that He's saying. They think they're in trouble in the boat scene. They think they're in trouble for forgetting some bread. They think, oh, we forgot bread. He's, he's, he's hungry, we're hungry, and He's going to tell us we should have brought some extra. But this is a critical point in the disciples' life in their preparation to take on uh, the Lord's church after He uh, ascends to heaven. And Jesus needed their faith to go to another level. This is a critical point for them because right now they don't see Him clearly. They don't fully, completely understand. Look at what Jesus says to the disciples in Mark 8, 17 and 18. And Jesus, aware of this, aware of their discussion about, is He upset we didn't bring bread? What's going on? We don't understand. And the leaven, He says, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? He's already told them that earlier. Have, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? And in verse 21, Jesus says to them, Do you not yet understand? 
Jesus mentions their ears not hearing, their eyes not seeing, them not remembering and understanding all that He's taught them and all that they've seen. The reason Jesus healed the blind man in stages and the reason the first time it wasn't all the way was on purpose Because Jesus is showing them, you don't see clearly yet. You don't see all the way yet. He's he's showing them something about their own faith. And we might see something about our own faith and how we see Jesus as well. He's showing them, that's how you see. You look up and you see me, you see who you think you understand me to be, but you don't see me clearly and, 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 and in full focus yet. Again, this is a transitional point in Mark's Gospel. He's picked up this theme of deafness recently. He's picked up the theme of blindness And now uh, he's showing the Pharisees, he's showing the the blindness and the deafness of the Pharisees, but he's also saying to the disciples, you're at risk of the same thing unless you get a clearer focus on who I am and understand what I'm saying. Now look at Mark 8, 27 through 30. This is important. Listen to what Jesus said, what Mark tells us. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asks his disciples, Who do people say that I am? That's our lesson today. Who is this Jesus? And he asks them, Who do people say that I am? He wants to get, What are you hearing out there from people? And they answer some things they heard. They told him John the Baptist and others say uh, Elijah and others one of the prophets. And then in verse 29, Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, uh, presumably on behalf of the disciples. He says, you are the Christ. And then we see this messianic secret again. Jesus strictly charged them to tell no one about him. You see, Jesus asks how others see Him, and then He asks, but how do you see Me? And so we see that they they see Him uh, somewhat. They understand to the point that He's the Christ. They understand the Old Testament prophecies of the Christ coming, but they don't fully see who He is all the way. And we'll see that in a minute. See, Christ Christ is the Greek translation of, of the Old Testament Hebrew word Messiah. And they both mean the anointed one. And in the Old Testament, anointing with oil signified setting aside for service. And isn't that who Jesus is? He's the ultimate anointed one of God, set aside for the service, for the mission of our salvation. In fact, that's why He's on earth at this time in Mark's Gospel doing what he's doing, trying to get the disciples to understand this. The disciples see clearly enough to know he's the Christ, but not clearly enough to understand what he's teaching about his identity and his mission. They don't fully understand what it means. So look at verses 31 through 33 of Mark chapter 8. And here we see that Jesus reveals to them, he tells them, we're about to go to Jerusalem. And when we get there, I'm going to suffer. 
The, the Christ has to suffer. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to rise again. You see, that is completely opposite of what the disciples understood would happen to the Christ they were waiting for. That's why they couldn't see Him clearly yet, because they're hearing Him, but they're saying, that's not the way we learned it. That's not the way we understood it. That can't happen to you. We can't envision that. Because our Christ, the Christ we understand, is to be a conqueror, a military, political ruler and conqueror to lead us in victory on this earth. And they couldn't quite understand yet, even though they understood He was the Christ. They couldn't understand what it really meant for Him to be the Savior. Now, then we see Peter rebuke Jesus. He rebukes Jesus because he says, Jesus, that is not going to happen to you. Now, he's the one that's always ready to fight, right? And he said, that, no way, that is not going to happen. That's not the way this goes down. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes him. And he says, get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You see, Peter was trying to understand the Christ the way he understood, in his box, in his viewpoint, what he had been taught, what he thought, instead of letting Jesus tell him who he is and listen to his words and believe who he says he is. After all he's heard and all he's seen, Jesus wants him to listen to him and believe and to realize that he's got a great task to accomplish and stop resisting my mission that I'm here to fulfill. Now look at Mark 8, 34 through 38. Now we find some of the strongest uh, words about being a follower of Jesus, about being a Christian, a disciple. And you see that this is, Mark has this sandwiched between uh, the healing of the deaf man and especially the healing of the blind man in two stages. And we're going to see something later on. But, but after this, after he's been showing them something about their hearts, about their blindness and their deafness, he says, this, he tells them what's going to happen to him. And he tells them, this is what it costs to follow me. Because they're headed to Jerusalem and he knows what's coming and he needs them to understand. Mark 8, 34 through 38, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my, of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus we're to know? Who is this Jesus the disciples are to know? He is the Christ who calls his disciples to deny themselves to deny the things that our body wants, the things that we want from the world, and to say, that's not how I'm going to live my life. The focus and the purpose and the mission of my life is going to be upon the mission of God. 
to want the things that God wants, to do the things that God would have us to do. See, being a Christian costs us something, doesn't it? In fact, Jesus tells us it costs us everything. That doesn't mean you can't uh, have any possessions in life and do anything and you can't enjoy anything. That's not what Jesus is saying. But whose mission are you on? Who are you living for? When you deny yourself, you can live for Him. But if you don't deny yourself, you can't live for Him. And Jesus is saying, you've got to pay the cost to be a disciple. And the disciples still had a price to pay. And he knew how things would turn out for them. He knew what they would go through as we get to the end of the gospel, as we get into Acts, as we get further into the epistles that they would later write. Jesus is showing that he's far greater than anything that we could want on this earth. But if we're honest, if we're honest, we, we like things of this world, don't we? If we're honest, we, we kind of wish we could gain the world. We want to gain things of this world. We like accumulating and doing the things of this world. The things of this world, as John tells us in 1 John 2, they, they draw us, they're always pulling at us. They're very appealing and alluring to us. And Jesus is saying you've got to deny yourself. You can't chase after the the pursuits of the world and still serve me. In another way, he says you can't serve two masters, right? Look at Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 13. We'll, We'll hit on some things in there. We've come to this interesting scene where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on, Mark says, high on a mountain. And at that point, listen to what Mark tells us happens. He says Jesus was transfigured or transformed or changed right before them. And verse 3 says His clothes became radiant or intensely white. They were dazzling white as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses and they were talking with Jesus And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Verse 7, And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. That word transfigured or transformed is the same word we, where we get our word metamorphosis from. It's the same word used in Romans 12, 1 and 2 there. He was changed before them. And Mark says he was, in, he was this dazzling white. And then they hear a voice. Doesn't that remind us of the beginning of the gospel when Jesus was baptized? And Mark says the heavens were torn open and God spoke, this is my son. And now again he does the same thing and he talks to Peter, James, and John and he says, this is my beloved son. But then what does he say? God says to them, listen to him. Listen to him. Remember the healing of the deaf man. Remember the healing of the blind man. They Remember Jesus telling them, your hearts are hard. What is God saying? Listen to Jesus. 
Quit going based on what you think you know, what you heard, what you think it ought to be. And listen to my son, the Savior. That's the theme of Mark, the Son of God. Jesus has been revealed to us. What did all this mean? What does all this mean when we take all this together? God is confirming to them that Christ you just confessed a moment ago, a few days ago, yes, that Christ is the one to put your faith in. See Him clearly. See Him fully. Listen to everything He says. And no matter what you think you know, you listen to what He says. Watch Him. Learn everything from Him. You see, Moses in this moment, represented the law. Moses and the Ten Commandments. Children, remember that story? Where God uh, has Moses come up on the mountain and He gives him the Ten Commandments. And then Elijah represents who? The prophets in the Old Testament. So what is God doing right here with Moses representing the law of the Old Testament and Elijah representing the prophets of the Old Testament. And Jesus in the middle, and He's the one shining bright. God is saying, my Son, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Savior, He is the one who fulfills the law and the prophets. It's all pointed to Him. Listen to Him. Do you see that? In fact, in In Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. It's all been pointing to Jesus. And Jesus needs the disciples to see clearly right now to get it. And don't you know that's what Mark wants us to do? Quit thinking you know and listen to Jesus. And see Him for all that He is. Jesus is far greater than all who've come before. So the next time we see the healing of a blind person, it's in chapter 10. And how do you think that goes down? Does it take two times or three times? No, because the disciples are seeing clearer now. And by the time Jesus gets to in, in chapter 10, that where Jesus, Mark tells us about Jesus healing the blind man, another blind man, he heals him immediately, like he's done all his other miracles. Why? Because the disciples are seeing more clearly. And guess what happens right after that healing of that blind man? Jesus enters into Jerusalem on a donkey. And they they say, Hosanna, and they they welcome Him. But what's going to happen right after that? They're going to say, crucify Him, crucify Him. Jesus knows what's coming, and He needs His followers to see Him clearly so that they can do His mission, so they can believe in Him and fulfill the mission that, that He has for them. So who is this Jesus? He's the Savior God promised to send us to save us, all who put their faith in Him, all who would uh, surrender to Him. And He restores them to a right relationship with God. You see, Jesus is in the restoring business. He came to seek and to save the lost, not those who said they don't need Him. And we need to see Him clearly, listen to Him, and surrender to Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 
teaches us that Jesus, that, 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 that God took our sins and put them on Jesus on the cross. And at the same time, He takes the righteousness of Jesus and He puts it on us so that we can stand in a right relationship with Him. And who does He do that for? Anyone who surrenders to Him in faith, obeying His Word to be united with Him in baptism, to have your sins washed away and be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who would, be, who would say, I want that new life in Christ. I want to be restored. I want my life to be made new. And He says, I do, here's how I do that. Through faith, and your faith will respond in confession, in repentance, in baptism, and living a faithful life, and seeing Jesus who he, who he truly is. Have you experienced that renewal, that restoration, that new life? Are you seeing Jesus clearly for who He is and what the Word says that He is and what He says to do, what He would have to, us to do in our lives? Have you experienced that? Maybe you have and you've wondered from that and you, you realize, yeah, my vision's gotten blurry. My, 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 my glasses, my contacts have smudges all over them and my spiritual vision needs a cleaning. I need to repent. I need to, I need to ask for prayers. I need to turn back to Jesus. Maybe you've never experienced that renewal or restoration at all. And you see Him clearly and you want to surrender to the Savior who came to give us new life and eternal life. You do that by confessing His name, by repenting of your sins, by uh, being united with Him in baptism, being raised to walk in newness of life, and then living faithful to Him, growing in your faith as we see the disciples do, in fact. If we can help you in any way this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing. We thank you again for listening today. If we can answer any questions for you or serve you in some way, please reach out to us. You can find our contact information and more on our website at bullardchurchofchrist.com. If this lesson has helped you, please rate our podcast and share it so more people can hear the Word of God. And please come visit as soon as you can. We meet on Sundays for class at 9 a.m., worship at 10 a.m., evening worship at 5, and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. God bless you.